0: I'll never back down, I'll never back you. I'll never back down, I get up, up, up when I'm bleeding, ready, breathing, I'll never back down. This is the collision of common sense and comedy. i never back down. This is Defenders Live. Oh, far be it from me to know anything about art. I'm not an art guy. Um, I'm not very good at Like, I can barely draw stick figures, if that gives you any indication of, of uh, my understanding, alleged understanding and perception of art. Um... Now I can look at paintings and and I can go, "Oh, I can recognize what you're trying to draw." Got it. That to me is good art. If I can look at a picture and and identify it, that's good art. My son is actually fairly good at drawing pictures and and drawing things and he's getting better at it obviously. It's a passion of his and so I can look at that stuff and go, "Hey, you're doing good. Hey, you're improving." You know, I can I can identify and I can I can understand that. Um the other stuff, the abstract things, the things that have deeper meanings. I that I'm not I don't I don't do. I don't get um I just don't understand half of it. And my my brain tells me that if you have to understand a deeper level than what's right there on the surface, which literally involves just, you know, paint or ink and canvas then you're probably doing art wrong but that's my opinion you know they say beauty is in the eye of the beholder yeah yeah ah uh, but again i don't i don't know anything about art art is not my forte having said that hunter biden's art dealer george's burgess he has claimed that Biden will be among, quote, the most consequential artists in this century, end quote. Now, I have seen some of his stuff, and it, I've seen some of the pictures, I've looked, or at least I thought, I again, the internet lies, and <laughs> you can only get so much truth out of it. But if what I saw was actually of his <laughs> I don't know if the phrasing most consequential artist in this century would be the way I would describe it. Now, none of them are, are again, they're not horrible. they're better than me. Again, I screw up drawing a stick figure, but i i don't I wouldn't put them up with Rembrandt. You know, Van Gogh. I wouldn't put it up against Michelangelo. You know, I, I wouldn't do that because it's, it's not that good. Uh, Some people have been suspicious that the art career of President Joe Biden's son, Hunter, could facilitate a pay-for-play scheme. However, Burgesses has high praise For Hunter Biden and his work. Quote. I represent Hunter Biden. Because I feel. That not only his art merits my representation. But. Because his personal narrative. Which gives birth to his art. Is very much needed in the world. His is a story of. Perseverance. Hunter's story. Reflects what I believe is the beauty of humanity, judged not by the fall, but by having the strength to rise up, by having the character required to change, and the courage to do it. Hunter Biden's art reflects all of that and more. His art gives us hope, and it reminds us that tomorrow brings a new day. And a new beginning, a new possibility. End quote. Okay, if you say so, I, I don't. I, uh, I've never understood why people gush over other people. I, I don't. I not like that. Now it is his, it is his art dealer. This is Hunter Biden's art dealer. This is the guy who's supposed to turn around and help push Hunter's work. So he's going to exaggerate. He's going to embellish. He's going to play and and over the top. Just. To kind of obviously get it out the door, you know. For people like myself who don't know anything, it's a way to try and convince us that this is going to be fantastic. This is going to be an heirloom. If you purchase this, you will pass it down from generation to generation. And one day it will be as the Mona Lisa sitting in the Louvre. I I don't think so. I don't think so. 2021. Artnet news quoted Burgess as opining or as opining that quote all of the prices that people are saying he's worth right now 10 years from now that's going to be a cheap Hunter Biden painting cheap one if i remember correctly and i don't have it in front of me but i believe some of his crap was going for about 10 or 12 50,000 or whatever. I mean, it was, it was insane. And they, again, they weren't that great. I, uh, I don't, I don't, yeah. I don't think it was all that. I don't think it was that fancy. But apparently people do, and especially the guy who's being paid to push his stuff. Because, you know, he's getting a chunk of that, by the way. So, of course, he's going to turn around. And, and I'm pretty sure, the, I mean, the guy probably thinks he's got a, a good gig. You know, this is Hunter Biden. There's already name recognition there. You know, son of the President of the United States. That's got, I mean, it's, it, there's a lot of it that pretty much sells itself. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I would, not for what the prices are asking, might I add, but I would, I would buy a Hunter painting just for the sake of holding on to it. That's history. That's something that you can use as, as an anchor point, as a fixed point in time that you can tell your children and grandchildren. And it's nothing big. It's nothing huge. It's not like having, you know, a brick from the building of the World Trade Centers or anything like that. But it's still it's something, you know, it, and, and would it be worth something eventually? Maybe. But I'm also the guy that likes to hold on to, you know, to get little stuff like that of history that really have no consequence to anything. That down the road would never be worth anything. It's not about having the worth. It's not about the the monetary value. It's about the, you know, the sentimental value that again, as dumb as it is, it is still part of history because I don't know of any other uh, relative of a sitting president. Of course, I haven't dug deeply, I'll admit, but I don't know of any other relative. Of a sitting president who, who, you know, who had someone who tried to do something like this, who had a career or whatever. I say a career loosely. Hobby. That they were trying to make money off of that you, can you know, somehow get your hands on. I don't know of anything like that. That's, you know, again, very small. It's very trivial. You know, it's like getting a hold of of Thomas Jefferson's aunt's hairbrush. You know what I mean? It doesn't mean a whole lot, but it's something. You know, it was something that was related in that line. And, you know, there's historical value. It's just a, I don't know. Maybe the hairbrush should probably have more use. But anyway, the House Committee and Oversight and Accountability Representative, uh, James Comer, Republican from Kentucky, uh, has asked uh, Burgess to turn over information pertaining to Hunter Biden's artwork and participate in a transcribed interview with the... Uh, Community or, yeah, the committee staff. Quote, the Committee on Oversight and Accountability is investigating Joe Biden and his family's foreign and domestic influence peddling schemes, Comer noted in a January 25th letter to Burgess. They're, uh, as mentioned before, they're convinced that, you know, this is just some way that, you know, he can turn around and be a link to get something from. Well, not from him, but being able to get people to basically buy the presidency or at least buy a, a moment with him. So, but I mean, I don't know. Would you buy one? Would anybody, would you? Again, am I the only Am I crazy for doing it? Because again, I can, I can recognize at least the, the historical, and I say historical loosely. Again, this is not 9-11, you know, type stuff. This is not World War II or Civil War. This is not huge, but at the same time, You know, somebody who had some name recognition, you know, something that they had, something they did, something he made. I don't know. Maybe I'm nuts. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, moving right along. So I have, uh, since since coming back and, and having started doing the show again, I've, I've, had to get back into the news. And I I have to admit that the past couple months, few months of of not doing the show, having the break, the hiatus and everything, not having to read the crap has been nice. Mentally, it has been nice. uh, A little bit of a reprieve, being able to get away from the crap. Anything bad is outside there, and my world consists of wherever I'm at. You know... If I'm in a place and nothing bad is happening, that's my world. Nothing bad is happening. But having to start doing this, I get to read and watch the news, and <sighs> it's painful. But anyway, I, I, I learned about the uh, Tyree Nichols killing in Memphis. Actually, I saw everything on Twitter a bunch of people raising ever holy hell about it um the the normal folks on the left you know turning around and saying how another poor black man's been killed and blah 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 and i I started to roll my eyes at first at first um because i again when you do this show this kind of stuff for six years when you read their stuff on both sides when you pay attention to all this other stuff it just you know a lot of it is 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 just played up it's not as genuine as they make it out to be, et cetera et cetera. But I was like, I don't know anything about this. And so I, I started doing a little bit of research and a little bit of looking into it. I watched actually the uh, the camera, the released footage uh, from the pole camera, whatever street camera they had uh, right there at the corner of everything. I didn't watch any of the body of camera stuff because um, I didn't feel like it needed to. The, the video that I saw was up on the corner. It was for 30 freaking minutes or over 30 minutes long. So I'm pretty sure that there's nothing else on the body cam that, I, that I'm i going to get out of it, nothing extra. There was enough that I saw that it was not... It, it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter why Mr. Nichols was pulled. It doesn't matter why what the situation was. It doesn't matter what the officers say. There was nothing about what happened to him based off of that video, that should have happened to him. Nothing. I, I have an understanding or a belief system that as a police officer, you have two options. Every single situation you walk into, every altercation, every time you come in contact with trying to uphold the law and maintain peace as your sworn oath dictates, you have two paths of achieving an end goal of of ending the situation. No matter what it is, you have two. The first one is to subdue. Subdue, restrain. Basically implies you catch him, handcuff him, get him into the car or her into the car. Boom. Problem resolved. That ends your extent as a police officer. Or and this is the least uh, the, the least favorite of anybody's, uh, is you kill the person. Now, I'm not saying to murder, but I'm implying the situation of, you know, if, if the person cannot be restrained, if they're causing these problems, if they're being a danger to themselves and to others, if uh, the situation is, uh, as a last resort, if that's what has to happen, then that's what has to happen. But that is of the two options you have as a police officer. That is it. Your main and primary goal is to subdue and negate the situation. End it. Shut it down. And the primary step of that is to restrain and to capture. And that's, that's your primary. That's number one. That is way the hell up here on the list. And way down at the bottom of that list. Again, done by, you know, if you have, absolutely have to, situation calls for it, is you end the threat. with lethal force. Those are your two options. You are not a judge. You are not a jury. You are not an executioner. Now, I don't know what was going on, what truly prompted this whole situation. I don't. I've, I've tried looking into it, and nobody knows. The further I dug, the more it made me, I don't want to say giggle, but it was weird to hear the narration, the way people were talking about all of this. Because all five police officers involved are black men. Mr. Nichols, the victim, is a black man. So I, I, in, in the beginnings of this little diving into this, I was a little relieved. I was like, oh, thank God. I mean, it's, that sounds really bad. You know, I, I'm sorry that this man was done, this was done to this man. Again, does not matter what happened to him, what he did, no matter whether he was avoiding uh, pulling over, whether he was being difficult, whether he was mouthing. I watched the video, and there was nothing, there is nothing as a police officer in that situation that warrants what you did to that man. Nothing. Okay? Nothing. But I, I, I was a little thankful because I was like, oh, good, we can't, there's, there's no, you can't play the race card. You can't sit here and say, oh, look, a gang of white cops hunted down this black man. Because I'm sorry, based off of what I saw, it looked like they were hunting him down. I could be wrong. I, I'm just speculating. This is just, you know, one person's opinion. But the way it went down, the way the video, the, the, the way these guys acted in this video, to me, Looked like the whole thing was planned. I don't know if it was. I'm just, again, I'm just my opinion. My two cents worth. But I was thankful that it wasn't a group of white guys who did this to a black man. Um, but then again, I like, I kept reading. And I kept looking. And then I came across an article from the Daily Wire. Uh, Representative Mondaire Jones, Democrat from New York, slammed online late this week after a tweet that he, that suggested that the five black police officers who were accused of being involved in the murder of Tyree Nichols were motivated by anti-blackness. Anti-blackness. His tweet Says, quote, if you think the Memphis police officers had to be white in order to exhibit anti blackness, you need to take that AP African American Studies course Ron DeSantis just banned, end quote. He's, he, he's trying to say that black people can be anti Black. Now, he gets slammed for this. People lost their minds up one side and down another talking junk about him. Mostly, I'll be honest with you, I think a lot of it was because of the fact that he uh, uh, brought up DeSantis. And, you know, po- you know, all these politicians want to talk junk about each other. And any dig they think they can get, they're going to. But he got slammed for this. He, they, people talk straight junk about this. Well, and scrolling a little bit further, another Jones, a Van Jones. Remember him? Left-wing CNN commentator, Van Jones. Yeah. He uh, he authored an opinion piece suggesting that the former police officers charged in the death of 29-year-old Tyree Nichols may have been tainted by racism, even though the officers are black, as was the victim. Quote, in short, racial animus can still be a factor even when the perpetrators are all black. At the end of the day, it is the race of the victim who is brutalized, not the race of the violent cop that is most relevant in determining whether racial bias is a factor in police violence. End quote. "So that's where we're at now, guys. That's where we're at. We're at a spot. We're at a position in this country, in society where it has nothing to do. I remember I remember in reading and in seeing things from history that it was it was about the race of the person who was committing the crime. And I say history referring to hell five years ago, 10 years ago. You remember how the, all those years ago, all 10 ago, how long goes, do you remember how old you were that day back then? Do you remember what you were doing? I know it was a long time. But that's how it was. It was because a a, a white person did this. It was automatically a hate crime. Remember all that? It was always a hate crime. This is their answer now to justify just lack of respect for a human life, period. At, At its base, at its core, at the root. That's what this is. A lack of respect for human life. you see that everywhere. You see it everywhere in everything that we do. you look at abortion <laughs> They're getting ready to pass laws and I, I breezed through it earlier and I'm upset that i'm I'm mad at myself now for not having saved it to pull it up God I didn't think it needed to be mentioned, but I think it's Wisconsin or Michigan or some one of those cold states up there is getting ready to pass a law to allow abortion up to birth. We have no problems killing unborn and even now soon-to-be-born children, murdering them in utero. No big deal. Eh, we have no respect for human life, period. And in, they can't... They can't just admit that it it's not... Race that is not a hate crime, they have to be able to maintain that story. So, in order to do that, they just have to say, Well, sure, it was black cops who did this to a black man, but uh, but you know, the black cops were uh, they were they were uh, tainted, you know, they they were become uh, corrupted. They, they develop these anti-black uh, 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 biases. Whatever the hell all that means. Van Jones doesn't stop there. <laughs> Continuing on, quote, One of the sad facts about anti-black racism is that black people ourselves are not immune to its pernicious effects. Society's message that black people are inferior, unworthy, and dangerous is pervasive. Over many decades, numerous experiments have shown that these ideas can infiltrate black minds as well as whites. Self-hatred is a real thing. That's why a black store owner might regard customers of the same race with suspicion while treating white patrons with deference. Black people can harbor anti-black sentiments and can act on those feelings in harmful ways, end quote. No, Van Jones. No, no. That's not it. The black store owner does not treat and regard black customers with suspicion just because he has developed some kind of racism towards his own kind and self-hatred. No, no, it's because he's seen how those patrons have acted, the respect that they have for themselves and that they have for other people. That's what it is. It is a lack of respect for people, period. That's what needs to come back in this country or we're all doomed, period. This is Defenders Live. I need to calm down a little bit. (laughs) See, this is what happens when you're by yourself. I just, I'm not even going to go into that crap again anyway. We already did that last time. Welcome back. I've, uh... I've wanted to go to Europe, especially England and London and stuff just to see. I don't know. I'm weird, I don't know, I guess wanted to go i, I i've apparently, there's technology is is expanding beyond anything I've ever could even imagine. A maintenance worker in London sadly was killed on Friday after he became trapped. Underneath telescopic pop-up urinal he was reportedly working on. Let me say that again. Maintenance worker in London was killed Friday when he became trapped underneath the urinal that he was working on. Multiple emergency services were called to London's West End Friday afternoon in response to a, quote, seriously injured man, quote, who had been working on a nearby telescoping urinal, according to Sky News. Quote, we sent a number of resources to the scene, including an ambulance crew, members of our hazardous area response team, members of our tactical response unit and a medic in a fast response car, We also dispatched London's Air Ambulance, a London Ambulance Service, spokesman told the outlet. So what is a telescoping urinal, you might ask? Or pop-up toilets, as they call them. Uh, They were introduced into public use 20 years ago. 20 years ago. Where the hell? i never heard about this before now. 20 years ago by Westminster City Council in an effort to stem street urination. The toilets are hidden underground during the day and are hydraulically lifted to the street surface at night for use. We got rid of payphones. Payphones. Because everyone has a cell phone. Carry your phone around your pocket. What do you need a pay phone for? Okay. That makes sense. So to stem the public urination going on, they built into the grounds, into the streets, the sidewalks, not the streets. (laughs) That'd be weird. The sidewalks in London 20 years ago. Pop-up Porta johns. See, I think this is fantastic. This, to me, would be awesome at, like, a concert, wouldn't it? I mean, am I just crazy? Because you go to these events and you see, like, in America, we have these ugly blue johns these 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 blue or orange or gray things that are plastic that blow over all the time, that are nasty, and you can't really flush them, and you can't do anything... London's got like this, this, this is, I like this. I like this. I wonder what it looks like though. I, I to be fair, to <laughs> damn it, to, be, to be fair. To be, yeah, I'm not doing the whole thing. To be fair. I have not looked at this. I might have to Google this for a second. Cause I wonder like, what would be the point? Like, how would this work? Is it like a, like the old phone booths used to be? I mean, I'm assuming it doesn't have, you know, windows or whatever. But I wonder, like, you know, what does it look like? Come on, and Google. Anyway, I just, I, poor guy died by being squished under it. Like, how of all the ways to go, that one sucks. That just, I don't know urinal let's see i want images let's see what this looks like because i'm i'm curious Ooh. (laughs) okay so i'm looking at this and it's not just urinals it looks like they have them set up well then it is it's for male and female um it's literally this giant metal cylinder. It looks like how would I describe this? It to me, and I lied, it kind of is out in the middle of the road. It's weird. Um, but it it looking at this picture, it does look like a it could have been an old it's cylinder. It's cylindrical, I think is the proper word to say it. Um it looks like it could have been a a phone booth. You could turn it into a phone booth, I think. But there's no back door. There's no door for it. So it's it's. Imagine a cylinder. And I'm assuming, based off of this picture, it's cut into three ways. Um, three little sections are kind of cut out of it, so different people can use it at one time. Um. But it, there's no door, so you literally and it says it's for men and women. There's some of them for men and women, so I'm I'm guessing that you know you just walk up to it and drop trowel, and go. I uh, I don't know. It looks pretty uh, interesting, that's for sure. And uh, yeah, here's another picture of one in, in in at night. It looks at a distance if it wasn't for the little toilet urinal thing it's got a light on top it looks like an old phone it looks like a phone booth it's really weird huh see that's slick anyway feel bad for the guy dying and all that's a sad way to go but huh if that's if that's the that wow that's sad really sad anyway So, um, the Alzheimer's Association has a new partner. This is from the Washington Free Beacon. This kind of make your butt booger a little bit. Quote, this is from the article, quote, selling assisted suicide to, quote, historically marginalized communities, in quote, is a difficult business because it tends to Kill prospective clients and smacks of eugenics. See what they did there? Assisted suicide. Kill. It. Anyway, uh, Compassion and Choices, the nation's largest and most active assisted suicide lobbying group has found a new way to remedy this. It has enlisted the help and the data of a trusted brand, the Alzheimer's Association. While the Alzheimer's Association spends considerable resources to overcome what it describes as a stigma of Alzheimer's and dementia, the CEO of Compassion and Choices, Kim Callinan, and yes, it's Kalinan, I had to slow it down for a minute, has described dementia as a, quote, fate worse than death, end quote. Passion and Choices was known as the Hemlock Society until the group's support for fellow member Jack Kevorkian and his increasing number of so-called mercy killings tainted the brand. While Hemlock Society celebrated Kevorkian's actions, the Alzheimer's Association issued a statement in opposition, noting that, quote, we must affirm the right to dignity and life for every Alzheimer patient and cannot condone suicide, end quote. George Soros, whose mother was a member of the Hemlock Society, shocker, poured millions into the assisted suicide movement through his Open Society Foundation, in part to help the Hemlock Society rebrand itself as Compassion and Joy Science once at Loggerheads, Compassion, and Choices. And the Alzheimer's Association announced last December that together they will focus on a shared effort to improve, quote, end-of-life care, end-quote, for people with dementia in the, quote, black, Latino, Asian, American, Native Hawaiian, Pacific Islander, and the LGBTQ communities according to a press release. Why is it that anything now having to do even with death we're calling healthcare? Is it just me? Because to have an improved end-of-life care to me doesn't mean you kill them. It doesn't. I, I don't know how you get away with that. I don't know how you think that's okay, but no care does not mean kill I, I I don't know how I'm the only person to know this even the dictionary let's see definition of care the provision of what is necessary for the health welfare maintenance and protection of someone or something that's care that n- Assisted suicide does not equal health, welfare, maintenance, and protection at all. So how you can sit there and combine the two and think it's a great idea and nobody should notice this is beyond me. (sighs) Together, the organizations will create national webinars, excuse me, host conferences and local events, share data. Quote-unquote, and more! Oh, good. 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 Yeah, Compassion and Choices appears more enthusiastic about the partnership than its counterpart. The organization issued two press releases, while the Alzheimer's Association said nothing. Neither organization responded to multiple interview requests days before publication, uh, in a phone call with the Director of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Engagement, the Alzheimer's Association agreed to send in comments to the Washington Free Beacon about key questions raised uh, for this report. Uh, but by the time Friday rolled around, they didn't have anything. Now critics are raising concerns about the Alzheimer's Association's new partnership, which, contrary to its own policy, to share, quote, partnership information with all its constituents and, quote, Remains undisclosed on its own website. I mean, I don't know how you, as a as, a, as, a, as a, a an association, can honestly and 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 with a straight face broadcast to everyone that oh yeah, we've teamed up, we've sided up with this group over here. And what they do is they're literally diametrically opposed to everything that we do. We want to keep these people alive. We want to take care of them. We want to give them the best type of life possible as they draw near to the end. This other group over here, however, doesn't want to do that. But you know what? We're going to work together and, I don't know, something good may happen. That's about all you can do. Compassion and Choices isn't an end-of-life care organization, but is an assisted suicide lobbying group, although its website describes the practice as, quote, medical aid in dying, end quote. I love how we just try to change verbiage around and it makes things different. That's always bugged me. I've I've been, I've... (laughs) Stupid as this sounds, I've been in arguments... And just heavy, heated discussions or whatever with people. And you get the whole... Or No, let's take it a step further. Let's go even simpler. Every man, especially, I think, shares this understanding of of this frustration. When you're having a discussion, an argument, heated discussion, uh, uh, whatever you want to call it. Differencing of opinions, whatever, with your wife, with your spouse. And at some point, it always comes out, it, it, or at least almost always comes out, where you the phrase goes, referring to her being mad. And she says something to the effect of, I'm not mad, I'm irritated, or I'm frustrated, I'm agitated. Something along those lines. And I can't be the only guy who sits there and goes, hmm, it's the same thing. Just because you call it a different word doesn't change your emotion. Now, I will grant you that people have come up with this stuff because there's this whole, well, it's all in a spectrum. You know, I, I'm not, to me, the understanding of the word angry or mad. See, mad is not as bad as angry. You know, mad, you're just, is down here, but angry is up here. And you're, in a, you know, there's a big space in between here. I, I get, I can respect that. I understand that I'm, I'm there. But at the base of it all, at the root of it all, still anger. You are not happy. You are sure as hell not sad. <laughs> you know what I mean? You, you're not happy. So that kind of changes off to two other things you're anger or sadness. And you're not crying, so you're angry. It doesn't matter the level that you are, you're there. And that's something that's always driven me nuts. People do this now for everything. We change the verbiage up. We think because we call it something a little bit different. It's not as bad. We polish it up. We give it a new name. We give it this new branding, and it's something completely different. And it's not. My personal, humble opinion, the way I see it, this is this is the king's wardrobe. This is the king in new clothes. He's wearing something. He's just straight up naked. He's walking around in here. But no, no, you don't call him that. It's new clothes. It's this new style of thing. And I understand that that's not exactly what the analogy of that story goes. I understand that's not the 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 moral of that story. But to me, I'm making it a connection. And uh, if, if you're not getting it, then it makes sense to me. And that's all that matters. Um, but that's what it is. You 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 take something and you throw something else on it and you call it something else in hopes that no, that's not what it is. It's not the first thing. I'm not angry. I'm not angry. I'm not mad. I'm just frustrated. I'm agitated. You know? We're not a suicide lobbying group. No, no, no. We're medical and a medical aid in dying group. Because that's a huge difference, right? That changes everything, doesn't it? This place has spent considerable effort to redefining the uh, what end-of-life care encompasses in between 2017 and 2020 compassion choices. Spent over $2 million in lobbying for assisted suicide, despite its own admission that certain people who shouldn't qualify for assisted suicide in the United States have already qualified. Now, that statement right there is fascinating. I can't, that, that just fascinates me. So you mean to tell me that there's a group out there who not only advocates, recommends, pushes, endorses, Pays for, encourages assisted suicide. But then says that there are people who don't qualify for it. I didn't realize that there was a a qualification review or whatever criteria to be able to have an assisted suicide or to have suicide period to be perfectly honest with you this comp this this organization literally is it believes it to be god in my loose translation of it all certain people who shouldn't qualify for assisted suicide in the United States have already qualified I mean that bothers me to the fact that I I can't believe right out the shoot that there's a, apparently a waiting list of people go through a qualifying process to get assisted suicide. I mean that a lot. I mean if I. It, if I had to go through probably said process, I'd want to kill myself too. I'd be perfect. That's a bad joke. I should have said. No, it's, it's probably true though. I, I mean, people qualify for this. I, I, quote It's a very bad look for the Alzheimer's Association, who've done so much for patients to form a partnership with the leading proponent. Organization for Assisted Suicide Laws Putting People with Dementia and Other Intellectual Disabilities at Grave Risk for Deadly Harm. That is according to Matt Velier, the Executive Director of Parents' Rights Action Fund, an advocacy group against legalizing assisted suicide. Hmm. There's a reason for Compassion Choices' interest in historically underserved communities, quote unquote. Their reason is that uh, non whites are just not that interested, interested in assisted suicide. Of the more than 2,100 assisted suicides or assisted deaths in Oregon, only one has been a black guy. In the state of Washington, 92% of assisted suicide deaths have all been white. I wonder why that is. It couldn't be because society at large is trying to bring back race wars, trying to vilify uh, an entire demographic of people for any reason they possibly can just for the sake of being useful idiots. For the people that they've elected into office. It can't be anything like that. It can't be that these white folks have, have just been beaten down for so long aren't even put into a position. Let's be realistic here. The the African American community, the black community, and I've said this before in previous shows are still on the plantation as far as I'm concerned. The ones who live from cradle to grave on government assistance, live in the projects in the home, they, have, they, they live off of welfare. They, from beginning to end, that is how they are told that it has to be. Those folks that, that are there from beginning to end, I'm sorry, it's modern day slavery. Every human being in America has the potential inside them to be anything that they want to be. The problem with it is is the black community especially is being told by elected officials and by people in their own community that they cannot go anywhere, they cannot do anything, they are marginalized, they are mistreated, they are picked on, they are the victims. And the few that do break away, the few that do decide, no, 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 I'm not going to live like this. I'm going to make something better of myself. They come across the other side of that line. They break away from that situation, and they come out and they go, holy crap. It is not near what I, like what it has been when I was told as a kid, as I came up, as I was growing up. This, this is all drummed up. It's made to look like this. It's to keep the thing, this narrative going. But maybe that's why. Maybe it's because of the fact that this just proves that white people, I probably wager progressive white people are so tore up about themselves they've beaten themselves into such a spot where all oh, poor white people are, or ba- white people are so horrible individuals. I, Twitter, there's a person that drives me nuts right now. I'll go into it another time. But the self-hating on the white people because, uh, to themselves because how dare they? They were part of this thing and all. They've, they've bought into the narrative hook, line, and sinker. How, how they owe other people for all this stuff just because of of the color of the skin. And then we're shocked when these guys want to turn around and kill themselves. Maybe the black community, the, the, the Latino community, all, the, 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 all these people, maybe they're smarter than we are. Maybe they're like, you know what? You don't have to do this. Yeah, life sucks, but you make the best of it. You do the best that you can. Maybe. Maybe not. I don't know. Compassion and Choices have invested tremendous effort in to decimate. The quote, end of life planning educational resources to underdeserved communities, ramping up to 22,380 pamphlets and guides disseminated in 2020 from zero in 2018. So there you go. This thing goes on and on and on. So many people. I, 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 suicide to me is not something, it's never been an option. Thankfully, no matter how bad my life has gotten, and I can tell you all some stories, no matter how mad my life has gotten, my brain, I've always developed, thank God, I've always had the outset look of tomorrow is another day. Tomorrow can be a better day. Tomorrow can be different. It just needs to happen. We just have to get there. There's no point ending it. God put me here, and if you don't believe in God, I understand how that might be a little bit harder to to see, but you know, I believe firmly that everybody has a purpose. Everybody has a usefulness. Everybody has a reason for being on this earth that God put us here for a reason. You don't have to be a hero. You don't have to be one of these people that everyone knows, that everyone goes to, that everyone leans on. You just may need to be a good mom or dad. You just need to be a good brother or sister. You just may need to be there as a support unit. And that's okay. I just, I think everyone has a reason for being here. And to try and end it early. I say early. That that drives me nuts too. I hate when people sit there and use the phrasing that all oh, they died too early, they were too young. One, everybody has an expiration date. I personally believe that everyone comes into this earth are on this earth when they're supposed to, and everyone dies when they're supposed to. There is no too young. I believe everyone has a purpose. You have a purpose. I have a purpose. And again. It may not be anything huge. You you may not be forever known. But as long as you've done what you were supposed to do, as long as you were a good human being, a person who actually had respect and care for other people, and pass that on to the next generation, you're a hero in my book. Anyway, and that's it. Find us on Twitter. D-O-A-E show. Use the hashtag Arm Yourselves. You can follow me at Dylan Lyles on Twitter as well. Um, Facebook is still up, though I haven't done much there. Thank you guys for hanging out. Appreciate it. We will see y'all next week. Bye, y'all.